you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 26. Matthew, the 26th chapter. I would like to begin reading with verse number 57. Matthew's writing, chapter 26. While you're turning there, let me say thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. If you have not already been blessed, it's not God's fault because he's here right now. But there's hope because service isn't over yet. God's still got something to say to all of us. Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 57. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas the high priest where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. I think that perhaps is one of the saddest verses in all of Scripture, especially in relation to who it is connected to. Of all people, Simon Peter, yet the scripture says he followed him afar off unto the high priest and went in, one translation said, and he hung out. He hung out with the servants to see the end. Amen. I want to talk to you for a little while about where faith is lost where faith is lost. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Peter is one of the anomalies of Scripture. He is one of the great contradictions in all of the Word of God. He is a man who at one moment can make such grand declarations and statements of faith and and then follow that up with some cataclysmic failure. Somehow he could be strong and weak. He could be bold and cowardly. His life certainly is a lesson to all of us that if we're ever going to be better, it's going to be because of him and him alone. And I am thankful that God gave us a glimpse of a man much like we are, a man who had struggles and weaknesses and failures, but a man who believed and had hope and faith. Peter's uh, position in our text is shocking because it is the beginning of one of the most embarrassing phases of his life. He is about to venture into territory that even in his wildest imagination, he could not have seen himself ever doing what he was about to do. But he had begun the steps that led him in that direction. And after all that he had said and all that he had promised the Lord, that I'll go with you to the end. Others may leave you, but I'll never forsake you. And then to see what begins to transpire in the next few verses is very 
unsettling and it is certainly shocking. His failure at this moment was unthinkable, uh, but it was something that I think shook him as much as it shakes us when we read it. But I want to understand where he was at, and I want to try to grasp what was going on here at this time that led to the situation as it was. As things began to spin out of control and things began to unravel that he had put his faith and trust in and he had placed his confidence in, there is no doubt in my mind that Peter was thrown into an arena that he was not prepared to go into. And we could doubt, uh, or we could no doubt attribute his fall to a lot of things. Many people could quickly say that the reason that Peter failed was because of his self-confidence. And some would say because of his boastfulness and Some would even venture to say because he had neglected to pray. In an hour when he needed to pray, the Bible said he could only sleep. But our our text sets something forth that I believe was the true acceleration of his blunders and his failure. I believe that the scripture that we read from this morning is a key into what happened and what brought him to this place of denying his master and going beyond that to even cursing that he even knew him. All of that began here in our text. You see, his fall had a history to it, just like anybody's fall does. There was something that was working underneath. There was something that was boring down into his courage and drilling down into his constancy and his stability. There was something that was taking place in the unseen world that was beginning this unraveling process and the seed of his failure is sown here in a mindset that is set forth and an attitude that is reflected in a moment of time that actually, in my mind, began the unraveling of the end of his story. Now, I do not believe that Peter went into that place of the high priest uh, for wrong purposes. I Do not believe that he went for the wrong reasons. I am strongly convinced that when Peter went in to that place where the high priest had taken his master, I believe he did it with good intent and good purpose. I think his motive was right. I think there was a love and an affection for Jesus that was genuine and real and there was something happening that he could not fully understand or grasp and he wanted, genuinely wanted to know what the outcome of this situation was going to be but he found himself much like anyone else that moves into that kind of atmosphere, they find themselves soon at a loss. They have not 
they, they, they don't have the control over their thinking and their attitude and their spirit like they once did. And many things may have gone in to the situation as it was, but I, I believe that there were right motives. But right motives will not save you from disaster if you put yourself in the wrong kind of atmosphere. Amen. If you put yourself in the wrong kind of setting, I don't care how good your intentions are, failure will come. But something is said in this passage that I believe reveals where it all began for Simon Peter, where the denial, where the cursing found its root and its source of life. And I think it is found in the latter portion of the 56th verse when the Bible says of Simon Peter that he went in to see the end. Say that with me, to see the end. Now maybe that doesn't say anything to you, but it says something very strong and powerful to me. It says that in that atmosphere, in that climate that he had gone into, he lost his faith. He had lost his hope. He had lost something that had kept him going for three and a half years when he first felt the call of the master on his life. He had given up his fishing. He had given up his old life and he had followed him. But now in this atmosphere, in this setting, he was struggling to hold on to his faith, to hold on to what he believed and hold on to what he was told was going to be the outcome. And now the Bible said he went in to see the end. The end. It's over. The finish. His faith was lost in a toxic atmosphere where all faith is lost. And Peter went there to see the end. As far as his mind was concerned, when he got in that atmosphere... It began to pull away at the fabric of his faith and he couldn't strengthen himself as he had before. And when he looked out at the situation, all he could think of was this is it. This is the end. It's, it's over. Everything that we have dreamed and prayed and hoped for and everything that we had believed is now coming undone. And this is the end. When Peter saw Jesus in the hands of his foes, he thought it was over. He said, this is it. This is the end. And as far as Peter was concerned, I believe in that moment when he saw his Lord marching off into the custody of those soldiers, he really did believe that. This is it. All our hopes, all our dreams, all our desires, all that we wanted has come to nothing. His hopes and desires for the kingdom of God had vanished in that moment, in that toxic atmosphere in which he had gone. He had lost his faith. What a tragic thing to lose is your faith. Amen. I don't even know how to preach the way I need to preach because I feel so deeply what I'm trying to say to you right now. But he allowed the Spirit of that situation and the spirit of despair 
to come into his heart and so affect him, so warp his thinking that as far as he could see, there was nothing beyond what was about to happen. There was no tomorrow. There was no future. There was no hope of a kingdom to come. There was no Christ to sit upon the throne. But in his mind, in that moment, hope had vanished and had disappeared from his life. And he stood as a hopeless and faithless man, wondering how it was all going to wind up. He went there to see the end. His failure was a result of his faithfulness, is what I believe what happened from that point on could be attributed to what happened in that moment when something began to slip out of his life. Something began to slip away from him. Something began to move away that he had built his life upon. And in that moment of time began the downfall of a man who at one moment we thought would never ever be the one to deny. If you had given me a list of a hundred men, Simon Peter's name would not have been on that list because we were so confident that when he walked with the Lord and he was close to him, there was something about that relationship that brought faith and boldness into his life. But he's in a different atmosphere now and and that atmosphere is toxic to faith. Amen. It's toxic to believing and hoping and trusting and thinking that this is not the end. This, this is not what it looks like. It's not over with. And so into that atmosphere, Simon Peter went and his failure, I believe, was a result of his faithlessness. It was a result of him losing his faith in a most critical hour. Your faith, folks, are, is more important to your life than anything else that I can tell you today. Your faith is more important to your life than you even realize because a man's enthusiasm for a cause and his courage and confidence to live for that cause is in direct proportion to his faith in that cause. And when our faith begins to ebb and our faith is lost and we lose confidence in something, it's hard to stand up and declare, this is the way the Lord wants me to live. This is how God wants me to do. This is where he wants me to go. It's hard when we lose our faith to know exactly what the next step should be. And so he went to see the end. I don't believe Peter intended or even believed that the outcome was going to be what it was. I don't believe in his wildest imagination that Peter ever thought that he would wind up cursing and denying his own master. He was a man of faith. He had retained his faith. He could weather the fierce temptation if he had maintained his faith. But he didn't. That faith began to seep away in the cracks and crevices his heart, and it wasn't long until he was as enfeebled as anybody else. And when he looked around, all he could see was, this is it. This is, this is the end. It's over. I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't see anything good coming out of the present moment. He was enfeebled by his own despair. And what began to happen in his life was just a natural process when people lose faith. 
I said, Brother Hughes, what are you talking about losing faith? Well, I'm talking about something that's very real in this place today. Some of you that are sitting on these pews are struggling to maintain faith right now because everything in life and all the circumstances around you are telling you that faith is is crazy and faith is ridiculous and faith isn't going to get you anywhere and faith isn't going to change your situation And because of the toxic atmosphere in which many people live, it begins to undermine who they are and what they are. And despair begins to creep into their heart. And they are enfeebled and weakened by this despair. And what was the use of trying or what was the use of risking anything further if Jesus was about to die and this was the end of his career? This is where faith is lost. And I want to tell you where lost faith shows up. I'll tell you where it shows up. It first shows up in your speech, in the things that come out of your mouth and the things that you talk about. If you begin to listen to yourself and you hear more negative stuff coming out of your mouth than you do positive stuff, there's a good indication that you're in the process of moving the same direction Peter was and look at this situation and say, it's over. There's no hope. Nothing's going to get any better. It shows up in what you say, but it doesn't just show up there. It shows up in your attitude, a toxic attitude, an attitude of negative, a, a mindset that is overwhelmed by everything that is against you and sees nothing that is for you a lost faith is found when somebody or, or is seen when somebody comes to worship or they don't worship I should say they stand in a worshipful atmosphere but they never lift their hands or they never lift their voice or they never allow their heart to be moved by the presence of God You know, I've seen people that use the words and they mouth the words, but it never registers in the heart. And so nothing happens there. And they're just as cold when they leave as they were when they came. But real worship is something that involves who I am and who He is. And and it brings the two of them together. And it brings me in connection with something greater than myself, something stronger than myself, something mightier than my present situation. And when we begin to lose faith, it shows up in our lack of true worship. Amen. I've learned this about church and living for God. There's a lot of professional Christians. By that I mean... They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Amen. It shows up when people don't even show up for worship. I'm going to get to you in a minute. They just bypass worship. They don't need worship. They just come in for the preached word. And then when they sit there and their hearts are stone cold and they leave and they say, man, that was the dullest message I've ever heard. I don't even know why people go to church. I'm going to tell you what the problem is. It's not in the preacher or in the word. The problem is there was no preparation of the heart. That's why we come to worship so that our hearts can be put in a condition and brought into a place where God can begin to work on us and work out of us things that are not good and bring us into a place where he can 
can strengthen us and empower us to overcome what is against us so that we can fight off the toxic mindset of this is the end. There's no hope for me. There's nothing better for me to look forward to in the future. This is the end. Amen. It shows up. You can be seated. It shows up in people's attendance to the house of God. When people start losing faith, they start missing church. Amen. Buckle your seatbelt, folks. I forgot to tell you. I forgot to put the warning light on. Amen. Lost faith is when people, and I, I don't mean every time somebody misses church that it's a sign of their lost faith, but there, there's evidence. It's proof that when People find it hard to come to the house of God. There's something going on in the faith world that's serious. There's something going on around them that's telling them, you know what, this isn't going to get any better. You might as well quit living for God. This worship stuff is all just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, just a bunch of emotionalism. It's just a bunch of loud noise and banging of instruments. And that's what somebody who has allowed their faith to become toxic, that's the way they think. They look around and they wonder, what in the world am I doing here because nothing's changing and Nothing's any different. And so in the mind of Simon Peter, this, this was the end. This was it. How could a man who could have such faith at one moment and such courage to say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. How, how could a man like that in another setting begin to curse and deny that he even knew him? Where does our faith get lost? Where, do we, where does it begin to unravel? Where, where does the loss of faith take place? And where does hopeless, hopelessness begin to slip in to a person's life? And where are those things that, that begin to pull away at the fabric of our confidence and our assurance? I believe there's two of them, and they're seen here in verse number 58. Two things that happened in Peter's life that were part and parcel of the unraveling of his faith. Number one, the Bible said that he followed him afar off. He followed him afar off. This was part of his undoing because in the distance that you choose to live for God or from God is the difference between victory and defeat. I remember hearing the story of a, a young woman and, and a man who were working in a, in a church up north. They, I, she was the secretary of the church, and he was a young minister. She was full-time secretary. He worked a secular job, and it just so happened he was working construction, and the job site that they put him on was just a few blocks away from the church. And so she could look out her window in the church office and see him working down the street on the scaffolding. They were doing some reconstruction of an old building. One day she came in and she saw him, and they had kind of had a, a thing going between the two of them that, uh, that w- when they got a chance, they would look each other's direction and they would wave or give a signal or a sign And that meant, hey, I'm thinking about you. I love you. And on this particular day, she 
came into the office and got busy and then somewhere along the way she realized she had forgot to look out the window, see her husband. And when she did, lo and behold, he's there and he's just waving, just going through all kind of contorted motions. And she said, oh, man, he, he really is feeling good about me today. And she was so overwhelmed, she began to do the same thing, blow kisses to him. What she didn't realize was he was not signaling her of his love in particular. He was signaling her of the dilemma that he was in because his scaffolding had broken and he was hanging by thread. And what he was actually trying to do was get her attention to call somebody. I need some help over here. But being at the distance that she was, she couldn't understand or interpret what he was saying. And so it is with any of us that think that we can live at a distance or we can keep God at a distance because when we need him the most we're going to find ourselves in a situation where we don't have the strength to stand we don't have the courage to step up and stand out and if we allow ourselves to let distance grow between us and him it's hard to stay on close communications with somebody at a distance Amen. It was easy to declare his allegiance to the Lord when he stood by his side, when he held his hand, when he looked upon his face. There was strength in God's presence. There was strength when he was with him, but from a distance, things began to look different and he began to grow weak. He put himself in a difficult situation. He put him at the mercy of, he, he put himself at the mercy of, of his foes when he went in to that toxic atmosphere. And when you get out of touch with the Lord, you and I both place ourselves in a great dangerous situation. It is important for somebody to hear me this morning when I tell you, you cannot live too close to Him. You cannot walk too close with Him. You cannot love Him too much. You cannot worship Him too much. You cannot sing of His glory too much. You cannot honor Him too much. Because the closer you get to Him, the stronger the influence is over your life to keep you. And it will hold your faith and it will keep you from falling. And in that toxic atmosphere that he was in, there was a distance. He could see him, but it was a good way off. And he wasn't close enough. And when the pressure came, he began to crumble under the pressure because he was just too far away. He was too far off. But that wasn't the only thing that happened. Not only was he at a distance, but the Bible says that he came in and he sat down with the crowd. Now, the translation that I like best is that he came in and hung out. He hung out with the crowd. You better be careful the crowd you hang out with. Because it can be toxic to your faith. And I've seen more people's faith become unraveled and slip away from them, not because they were too far necessarily, but because of the atmosphere that they lived in and the crowd that they hung out with. Amen. There are people all around you that will tell you that what you're doing is not essential. 
It doesn't take that much to serve God. It doesn't take that much to live for God. But I'm here to tell you that it is my understanding in my 60 years of living that it does take all of that to live for God. As a matter of fact, it takes all of that and more for me to live for God because there is a spiritual force that is working to destroy my life right now. It's trying to tear down everything I believe and everything I hope for and make me look at this hour in a toxic way and say, this is the end. This is it. We're, we're, it it's, it's just going to get worse. This, I've got news for you, folks. It may get worse, but in the end, it's going to get better. As sure as I stand here for every Friday, there's going to be a Sunday coming. For every death, there's going to be a resurrection. And the reason I stand here this morning is not because there's going to be an end. The reason I'm here is because there's going to be a new beginning. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And my hope is not in what's going on right now. My faith is in what is to come. This is not the end, but just a prelude to a new beginning. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise. Give Him praise. What you hang out with will affect you more than you realize. You hang out with the critic, you're going to become critical. You hang out with the liar, and you're going to become, you say, oh, no, not me. You know what? If I was a betting man, I'd bet you my bottom dollar, whatever that means. <laughs> that any one of us put in the wrong kind of setting and under the wrong kind of influence could cave in because Simon Peter did. And I don't know anybody in the Scripture that could have been a more powerful man. The Lord chose him to be the spokesman, so evidently... Amid all of his faults and failures, there were some things there, a strong man, but they somehow came unraveled. They come undone in the wrong atmosphere. And when you hang out with the wrong kind of people, you are not going to be encouraged to live for God. You're not going to be encouraged to hold on. You're going to be like the man who was walking across the bridge one day, and he saw this guy sitting on the edge of the rail. He thought, man, this guy's about to commit suicide. And so he comes up to him very gently and he said, sir, what, what's going on? And the guy said, well, my life, my, my life is just ruined. My family's all gone to pieces and I have lost my job and I don't have anything to live for. And the guy, he, he said, oh, no, life couldn't be that bad. And he said, oh, just sit down for a moment. Let me tell you about all my woes. And so the man sat down with him and listened to him as he poured out his ugly story about all the misfortunes and all uh, of the setbacks and all of the hurts and all the disappointments. And when he got done, they both jumped off. It's what happens when you hang out with the wrong crowd. I don't care who you are. You're not any stronger than the people you run with. Amen. That's why there's some folks I just don't hang out with. I love them, but I don't hang out with them. Amen. 
Why? Because I can't afford to let that toxic atmosphere work on my faith because I'm not any different than anybody else. And if Simon Peter came to a point, he said, it's the end. I came to see the end. Do you understand how powerful that negative statement is? I mean, do you realize he was not just talking about the end of a chapter? He was not talking about the end of an episode. He was talking about the end end. It's over. I'm not ever going to get out of this. Things are never going to be different. My family's never going to go forward. My, my life's in a mess and it's always going to be in a mess. And if we allow the climate of this world to have an influence on us, it will take us on down the road to hell a little quicker. But I've come to tell somebody this morning that it is not the end. It may look like it, but it's not. It is a prelude. And there's a new day that's about to dawn. There's a resurrection that's just around the corner. There's something about to come back to life. And if you'll just hang on long enough. Amen. I'm so thankful that he hung on long enough because he finally saw something that changed his whole destiny, his whole thinking. When he looked across, he got close enough that he could make eye contact with Jesus. He remembered. And when he remembered, the Bible said he went out and wept. I believe he prayed through. I believe he went where he could find an altar and got himself. He realized what had happened. My faith has come unraveled. We live in an extremely negative environment, and it's toxic in the world in which we live. And we have to be careful that something that's going on around us right now does not begin to unravel our faith. It does not begin to undermine what we believe. You know what's amazing? The devil never comes with a frontal attack on solid people. He always slips in the back door. He never comes with an open, blatant sin or untruth. He just comes slipping in with the idea, well, you know, they have a great program. They're doing a great thing. They must really be doing something right. Look at all the people. And so... You ever seen anything unravel? At first, you can't even tell anything's going on. You start pulling on that little string and you think, man, where'd that come from? You pull on it a little. Still, there's nothing that's really evident to what's going on. You keep pulling. The hem falls out. The bottom falls out. Life falls to pieces, and that happens so often. One cause of our present-day weakness is that we are paralyzed by doubts and crippled by fears, and our world is eaten up with that. It's toxic right now. We're made to feel helpless and hopeless, and this is it, and it's not going to get any better. And there are some of you sitting here this morning that have lost your hope that life's ever going to be any better than it is some of you are wrestling with doubt right now and fear in your life 
You've had it one time, but you don't have it this morning. You had that confidence, that boldness, that assurance. But when you stand up to worship, it seemed like something in the background mocks you when you open your mouth to praise him and say, how can you do that when you've got all of this against you? How can you do that when you're at a dead end? How can you do that when God has not answered your prayer? I can tell you how I can do it because he may not have answered it yet, but it doesn't mean he's not going to answer it because God will answer my prayer and he will come through. And I've got to look beyond the present moment and realize that this is not the end. It's just a prelude to a new beginning. This morning you see no change coming and somebody may have given up and think it's doomed. I'm, I'm just... I am what I am. I'm a failure. I'm a misfit. I'm a broken person. Hopeless despair. They seem to be the order of the day for a lot of people. But I'm here to tell you it's not the end. It is not the end. Peter, you are mistaken. And if you were in a different atmosphere, you would understand what I'm saying. But the reason you feel that way is because the crowd you're hanging out with or the spirits that you're fellowshipping or it is because you have let yourself kind of get distant from him. You don't talk to him like you used to. You don't walk with him like you used to. You, you know him. Oh, yeah, you know him. You recognize him, but you don't really fellowship with him like you have. And, and you just kind of let this, well, we're estranged. It's like one man said when he lost a daughter. He said, for a long time, me and God weren't on speaking terms. When we came to the table, I let everybody else pray, but I didn't pray. And I let the Lord fix his own place to sit. But I wasn't interested in any of that at that moment. But he said, I lived long enough to understand that that was not the end of my life. That was not the totality of what my life was going to be. And I found that it was just a prelude. And what came after that was a new beginning and a new opportunity and a resurrection. Somebody needs to understand this simple preacher today that it's not the end. It is not the end. It's not over. I don't care how overwhelmed you may feel this morning or how frustrated you may feel. Peter, it is not the end. It's just a prelude to a new beginning. Amen. Let's stand together. A new beginning. Friday, oh yes, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Amen. Let us take heart amid all the setbacks and all the disappointments and all of the garbage that's going on around us, all the things that are coming against us, questioning what we believe, questioning where we stand. Hold on to your faith. Keep yourself in the right atmosphere. Keep yourself around the right kind of people. Amen. I'm going to tell you what this morning. When I was praising the Lord earlier, I felt like an updraft that they feel when they're flying a plane and it literally would just lift it thousands of feet higher. I felt that in the spirit when we were worshiping a while ago. And it wasn't what I had produced, but it was what you in your worship had helped produce. And it lifted me. My spirit began to rise. I, I, I felt 
life. I felt hope. I don't, did anybody else feel that a little earlier? Did, did it, do anybody, you understand what good things can happen when you come into the house of God? The kind of help that you can get? As a matter of fact, there's somebody that will pray with you right now. If you're discouraged and if you're down, if you feel like it's over or it's the end, there's somebody that will reach out to you right now and say, Oh, it's not over. You're just looking through the wrong colored glasses. You're looking at life from the wrong perspective. It's not the end. It's just a prelude. It's just a stage. We're getting ready to move in to a new beginning. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, amid all the setbacks and all the heartaches, all the discouragement, All the dull and dark days that come to our lives, help me to never lose faith. Help me, Lord, to never allow myself to slip into that toxic atmosphere where people undermine what I believe and what I hold dear. And God, don't ever let me get caught hanging out with people that unravel my faith rather than build my faith. Amen. Reach over and take somebody by the hand right now. Say, God, I want you to bless them in a special way today. I want you to put your hand upon them this morning. Whatever they're going through, whatever they're struggling with, whatever weakness of faith that they may be dragging through life right now, God, I'm asking you to touch them in a sovereign way. I'm asking you to lift them up, Lord, just like you lifted me up a while ago, just like you helped me, just like you encouraged me. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, you're in this place right now to help somebody.